sometimes we can look at the chaos of this world and feel overwhelmed because it feels like the enemy is winning. Um, in all honesty, David faced a very similar situation with Baal and even some of the other gods at the time. And so Psalm 29 takes a look at David's explanation or David's um, consideration of how God was more powerful than even Baal, who was seen as one of the most powerful gods in that time frame. I pray that going through this together will bless you. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know that you have been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. I know, I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. If you're just joining us, I want you to know that right now we are going through a devotional reading of the Psalms. And prior to this, we did a series on the spiritual disciplines. Prior to that, we did some different Bible study series. I I want you to start where you're at. And so if you're jumping in and some of the Psalms stuff just feels too heavy or it's just not good for the place that you're at in your life, there are a hundred plus other episodes that will hopefully help you to grow in your faith to the point where you want to hear and be in God's word every day. And there's lots of ideas that I have for future different series and things, but really what I was hearing from a lot of our listeners was that they wanted to be in God's Word, but they didn't have the time. And so really what I'm doing is I'm doing an audio devotional for you, and I just pray that it continues to bless you. But if it's not your cup of tea, that's okay. You won't hurt my feelings. I want you to just get what you need in the season that you're in. And so don't feel like you need to catch up. Don't feel like you need to be on top of all the episodes. Just start where you are, and that's okay. Have grace for yourself. So today we are in Psalm 29, and this is another Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. 
Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and, this, and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Today, as we read through this psalm, it is striking to me the repetition of the voice of the Lord, especially when we're talking about hearing God's voice, the Hearing Jesus podcast, the She Hears Bible Study, all of it is to help you understand the voice of the Lord in your life. I want to point out that in this context, in this background, you have to remember the original hearers of this psalm would have been in the world of the ancient Near East. And so when I talk about the ancient Near East or ancient Mesopotamia or Babylon or any of those ancient cultures, that was the backdrop for for when David was writing these psalms. And one of the things that, that David does throughout the Psalms is he sets apart Yahweh from all of the other false gods that the other cultures were worshiping, representing, those kinds of things. And so when we hear the voice of the Lord starting, I think, in verse 3, what David is doing is he is speaking to a common Canaanite hymn that would list different aspects of Baal, or Baal is how you would probably pronounce it back then, but we would hear it as Baal or say it as Baal now. And so when he goes through the voice of God, each of those things are, scholars believe, alluding to the proverbial seven thunders and lightnings of Baal. And so what David is doing is he's setting the stage for God, Yahweh, to be higher than any other gods. I think sometimes we miss that when we don't understand some of the outside things that were going on at that time frame. And so the imagery throughout these verses are really describing, you know, like a mighty storm that's forming over the waters of the Mediterranean Sea. It sweeps inland across the the mountains of Lebanon. So the mountains of Lebanon were forested in the north. And then it goes down to talk about the desert, the rolls of the desert down in Kadesh. And so um, this is a, a powerful phenomenon of weather that is testifying to the majesty of Israel's creator God, Yahweh. But it is speaking to having an authority over what the others in ancient Mesopotamia would be understanding as um, as different aspects of Baal. When it talks about being over the waters in verse 3, it it literally means many waters. And so that's an expression that's used to refer to things that are like unruly in creation. And so the sea was 
in their culture, the epitome of chaotic forces. And so in the Baal story, there was an enemy sea god who would have been called the god of many waters. And so by alluding to Baal's victory over the sea, there is um, this this idea that we're, we're seeing David present that um, he's speaking to a people group that was familiar with Baal's victory over the sea, or, or what they said was his victory over the sea. So when when we're talking about Yahweh being the God of many waters, the Yahweh being the God that is over all of creation, it's evidence that Yahweh, not Baal, is the one who's presiding over the different forces in the world. The cedars of Lebron. So I, I want to point this out in verse 5. Those were forested mountains, and they were famous. Uh, it's kind of like here in the States, we all talk about the Redwoods out in California. It, it's a similar thing in the sense that even though they didn't have the communication channels that we have now, they were famous in the ancient Near Eastern world. And so they were known for being the best source of timber for constructing things. And there were kings from everywhere, from all the way to from Egypt, all the way to Mesopotamia. And the kings would boast about their gathered lumber for the building projects that they had from as far away as Lebanon. So you have see, you see in lots of the different ancient writings, lots of boasting about the cedars of Mount Lebanon, and lots of kings would boast about that in their uh, the king records and the court records in their construction records, and it was. Um, really well known in the ancient world what that would have represented. And even David and Solomon, they looked to those forests as the best source of timber for the royal palace when they were building Yahweh's temple. So in 2 Samuel chapter 5, you see that. In 2 Kings chapter 5, you see that. And so um, when we're talking about this comparison where, where David is speaking to Yahweh being greater than Baal, it's important to point out there, too, that in the Baal myth, the cedars of Lebanon were materials for his palace. And so when Baal would speak, his enemies would flee to the woods, and he would, it talked about him having a cedar in his right hand. And um, so when we see in, in Psalm 29 where it's verse 9, I think. It says, The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in the temple all cried glory. That's what David is talking about. He is, number one, of course, saying that Yahweh is higher and stronger and more powerful. But he's, again, elevating Yahweh higher than Baal, higher than the Baal myth that they would have known about. You know, Baal just had one cedar in his right hand. Yahweh is the Lord who twists the oaks, who strips the forest bare. There's there's an illusion of power here that we can miss because we don't necessarily understand the context of that. And so Psalm 29 verse 9 is speaking of the oaks twisting and the foliage being stripped from the forest because these trees are shattering before the power of God. Back in verse 6, it talks about Sirion. Verse 6 says, He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, Sirion like a young wild ox. So Sirion is another name for Mount Hermon. We see that in Deuteronomy chapter 3. And it's in the mountain range that is immediately inland from the coastal mountain range of Lebanon. And so they're coupled together poetically 
here, um, and that happens also in other ancient writings. And so at like, it's just over 9,000 feet, Sirion was among the highest of all the mountains in the vicinity of Israel. And so it was a, a really huge mountain range. And it's talking about, um, it says, he makes Lebanon skip like a calf, Sirion like a young wild ox. A young wild ox would be shaking. Think, picture a wild ox that when it's born and it's going to stand up, any of those animals really, it's going to stand up on all fours. Um, that's the picture that we're seeing here. It's shaking. So what it's saying is this mighty mountain range would quake, would shake when God speaks. And it's really this imagery of just the, the power that comes from, from God. Then in verse 7, it says, The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. That's not unlike what we would understand now. Lightning was commonly viewed, however, the, as a weapon. So, like a divine weapon by by the deity. And so, in ancient Canaanite art, you would see lightning bolts in the hand of Baal. But Psalm 29 is stressing that it is Yahweh who can strike with the power of lightning. And so... Throughout this whole psalm, what David is doing is he is continually reminding those in that culture, in that time frame, that even in the midst of Baal, which seemed pretty incredible at the time, Yahweh is even higher. He's more elevated. He is the God above all gods. And you have to remember, in this culture, they were polytheistic, meaning they had more than one God. So even though David is extolling Yahweh as the, the God above all other gods, the culture that he was speaking to, they would have been very used to there being different gods with different sets of power. And so even though they elevated Baal, he is speaking to Yahweh as being the one that is that has the power. Um, the desert of Kadesh in 29 verse 8, the voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The, the most familiar reference to Kadesh in the Old Testament is the site of Kadesh Barnea, which is where the Israelites camped during their journey in the Sinai Peninsula. We see that in Numbers, we see that in De Deuteronomy in a couple places. And so if this is the location that we're talking about, the, then the imagery of Psalm 29 is tracking the storm from the mountains in the north to the desert in the southern regions of Judah. So Israel is in the north, Judah was in the south. So either way, we're, we're recognizing that there is this um, wilderness that is being used in this imagery. And then down in verse 10, it talks about being enthroned over the flood. Let's see, number, yeah, 10. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. So here the psalmist is concluding by returning back to the scene of the heavenly court where the word is translated as temple. And that's the word for palace. So when a palace happens to be part of a deity's temple it is part of the temple so the palace um the 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 one that has the victory is the one that has the right to have a palace so in the Baal myth the victory over the waters of chaos 
earned for him the place of um, royalty and the right to have a temple. So when it says that the Lord sits enthroned over the flood, meaning it is the Lord, not Yahweh, not Baal, that has authority over the flood, the water, the chaos. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. He's saying it is Yahweh's place to be in the temple, to have um, being enthroned, to, to have the honor in his house. And so throughout this whole thing, what we're seeing is just this constant um, putting Baal in his place, essentially. And so it makes you wonder, I, I, I always wonder, you know, we could, probably could do some deeper digging on this, but I wonder if Baal was the god of the enemies that uh, David was fighting at the time. And it's likely that they were because um, they, Baal was worshipped throughout that culture in that time frame. And so if we're seeing David go on and on and on, making a point over and over to put Baal in his place, my sense is that he was speaking in an environment where they were worshipping Baal. And, and David is saying, not only... Is my God more powerful than your God? No, not only am I winning this battle, but let me tell you why. I think it is interesting to point out that when he's talking about Yahweh sitting enthroned in his temple over the flood, there's a particular word that's used there for flood, and it's only ever used elsewhere uh, talking about the great flood, like, you know, Noah. And so that story also would have been well known in the ancient Near East. And the flood is really the ultimate weapon of, you know, the gods. It would be the divine weapon. And so um, kind of undoing this ordered creation and the destruction of, of the evil that was there at the time, um, alluding to this flood story is a way for David to again put forth the power of God, the power of Yahweh. And so Yahweh's power not only exceeds that of all of the, the many waters, the chaos of the water, but his kingship is really over the flood. And it's it's just basically saying that Yahweh is the highest possible king of kings. And it's a way of saying that he has taken up royal residence in the temple. And at this point, Yahweh himself is is resting. But I think it's on this basis that David is really expressing confidence in what Yahweh, what God can do to give his people peace in the middle of some unimaginable chaos. And if I think about that in terms of what we're going through right now, we talked about this earlier this week, or maybe it was last week, where God was on the throne. And the example we have here in David is that it doesn't seem to matter, or it doesn't matter what the world seems to think. It doesn't matter what the king of this world, really the enemy, the power that he is his, um, exhibiting in this dark season that we're in. It doesn't matter because Yahweh, God, is the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords and he sits higher than any other thing that this world can throw at us. And so while there may be the sense that the enemy is winning. I don't know if you guys feel like that. Sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes I look at the news and I think, or I look at the culture, or I you know, look around at what's going on and I think, man, the enemy's winning. Don't let yourself get in that trap. Because we have a God who sits on the throne. 
we have a God that is more powerful. Just like in David's time, he's talking about Baal, but we have a God who is the King of Kings. He is more powerful than anything. And so I I love that confidence that David has. I think we see it over and over where he's, again, he goes back and forth between um, lamenting and, you know, pouring his heart out and then rising up to be confident in, in the victory that we see God have over and over again. And I I think that's such a, a great way to pray even when we are facing some chaotic circumstances, we can have confidence in knowing that God is in control, that his hand is holding us together, that we can have peace in the middle of the chaos. So I'm going to read Psalm 29 again. Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. God, we thank you that we can have peace. What a blessing peace is in the midst of the chaos. Verse 11 says, The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Lord God, thank you. Thank you that you give us strength. Thank you that you give us peace in the middle of of our chaotic lives, in the middle of what feels like the enemy winning, that we can look to you because we know that you are more powerful than anything that the enemy can throw at us. Lord, I thank you for the way that you continue to reveal yourself through the Psalms. I thank you for using an ordinary man like David to do extraordinary things. God, I thank you that the same God that existed in David's time is available to us. That relationship is available to us through your son, Jesus. God, I thank you for the way that you continue to pursue us to have a relationship with you. I pray that you would be with my friends today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.